Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of MGR Unplugged. Uh, we are pretty busy today with a lot of topics. Very busy week. David is with me, and uh, he's been um, soaking on news on um, e-commerce specifically and things that happen in the uh, e-commerce and uh, podcasting news as well. So we have quite a few things to discuss, all interesting. We're going to try to stay away from the pandemic as much as possible. Not sure that would be possible. I said we have enough to talk about that we don't need to talk about coronavirus. It may come up. It may yeah, come it's up. It's going to be hard not to. It may come the up. The goal is not I, to talk about coronavirus. I can't guarantee today. that we're not going to discuss that. We're going to discuss a little bit the consequences on the business side of that. But we're going to try to be a little more forward thinking as far as like pretending that we're over the curve if there's such a curve and that just kind of moving forward. So um, let's get started right away. None of you people can tell me this. Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown. Hand over my heart. I do this for my town. I do this for my crowd. So turn me up real loud. My time. My time. None of you people can tell me to stop. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, David, so let's just get started right away. Um, the first thing that we um, just learned, I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday, um, with Facebook news about Shop and the new um, coalition with yeah, different... Shopify um, has <clears throat> been busy this week. They, they announced a ton of stuff. Yes, uh, both Shopify and Spotify, which we'll be uh, discussing well, Shopify, later. Shopify, they will talk about the Facebook thing first. And okay. then the day after, yesterday, they had Shopify Renew, Unite. Unite. Well, yeah. they call it Reunite. Reunite, yeah. You know, there's <clears throat> normally their annual conference, but obviously there's no conferences this year. Um, and they announced a bunch of stuff. Shopify is now a bank. As every successful <laughs> company... At some point in their in their lives, becomes a bank. Shopify is now a bank too. Congratulations! I'm not sure they're officially a bank, but they have their own uh, credit. They have banking and checking accounts. Yes, I guess. Okay. So business banking. Anyways, um, like I started with Facebook the, with the Facebook part, but it's a little more um, coalition. I mean, it's actually a Facebook feature. Um, that applies also to Shopify yeah. as well as many other e-commerce platforms like WooCommerce. And yeah, so it was, okay, so to back up for a second. Um, basically, Facebook announced on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday? Was it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday. So, yeah. Um, that they're launching what's called Facebook Shops. Um, and basically, it's going to be a shopping platform built directly into Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook Messenger, all of their, their suite of apps. And it will. This has kind of been expected for a while. Well, um, they had marketplace before, and, and yes, that was more of a. It was expect. I mean, in terms <clears throat> of exactly this, like right. it was expected that they would launch storefronts within their platforms. Um, it wasn't necessarily. They kept it pretty under wraps for a while. It was unclear of when they were going to do it, and then they came on Tuesday and kind of shocked a lot of people and said, "Okay, here it is." I was pretty surprised at how. Uh, thorough it was i mean like they really i think they really hit out of the park honestly i I was really impressed so basically on tuesday it launched for facebook only um the shops it will launch on instagram later this summer they said so hopefully within a few months and then they said they're working on whatsapp and messenger to launch is this just in the u.s for now or is it's only u.s okay so for now so just to Clarify how it works. So if you have a... So we have kind of a picture up here. They right, gave an if example. You, but if you have a, um, 
any type of um, e-commerce platform, let's say yeah. Shopify. So how is Shopify involved? Or anything like that. Basically, it's built on top of Shopify's tech stack, uh, but it works with other platforms. Mm -hmm. So it works with WooCommerce, BigCommerce. Uh, I think it works with Magento. Don't quote me on that, but it works with most other e-com platforms. And obviously it works with Shopify. Right. Um, and so they, Zuckerberg and Toby Lucky, the CEOs, mm -hmm. uh, both went on a live uh, cast together and basically talked about it. We'll put the link in the uh, show notes. I wrote about it in, in my newsletter because this is like the biggest, the biggest news we've had in a while in e-com. Because obviously Shopify just launched their own shop. Uh, right, we, we talked about a few it a weeks couple ago. Of, yeah. And now this is Facebook shops. This is a much bigger deal because basically, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we think social commerce is the future. And this is exactly it. So basically now they have one-click payments. I actually, do you have my newsletter? Are you able to pull it up? Because I basically gave a summary of all the different features. that. But basically um, it has uh, one-click purchasing, uh, one-click checkout, I should say. Uh, it has lots of detailed stuff. Like they even have loyalty programs built in. Uh, they have Instagram Live and Facebook Live shopping, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, go ahead and scroll down. Okay, so I gave the bullets right here. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, so one-click checkouts. So Instagram now, on the bottom where all the tabs are, there's going to be a new tab that's going to be a shop tab. And on that tab, people can go there and basically shop, and there's going to be discover sections. So if the person has bought from other brands before, it'll say like brands you might like, whatever. So they have a whole discovery section. Um, also, everything connects. So if you add to cart on Instagram, like this is down the road. Obviously, it's not launched on everything yet. Mm -hmm. But if you add to cart on Instagram, and then maybe... Uh, the store has a WhatsApp customer support or something. You can open WhatsApp and then ask the person on customer support some questions. Mm -hmm. And then if you're ready to check out, literally your cart is there on WhatsApp too and you don't even have to go back to Instagram. So it's, it's a unified uh, checkout through all systems. Yeah, it's a seamless systems. cross platform right. uh, uh, promotion. And so the goal is, what I very much see happening is that obviously we've seen a lot of chat apps and chat support be much more popular, especially with SMS. But, and we've seen it with Facebook Messenger too. The challenge with Facebook Messenger is that, and WhatsApp, especially in the US, is it just doesn't have nearly as many users as like iMessage or anything else. I think this is a case where it may grow a lot and that you'll see a lot of companies basically have all of their customer service within WhatsApp or something like that. And then, because then they can integrate it directly with Instagram. But I, I have a question myself. Um, obviously, we know that Shopify already integrated with Facebook and Instagram with their catalogs that you can add and you can add to Facebook a shop tab where all the catalog of products that you sell on Shopify are there. And then with Instagram, the same thing, you can actually tag your products for purchase when you do a post. So also, the way that worked is that when you go to Facebook, you see the products and then um, people will buy and actually check out, basically sends traffic back to your store and you right. check out there. So now you check out on Facebook. So now you Instagram. check out on Facebook. And on top of that, like I said, they have storefronts now. So it's not just that you import your catalog and you can have products like on Instagram, you can tag products. Mm -hmm. You can have a storefront now. 
Um, so basically you can have a mini website within Instagram or within Facebook where people can check out there and they don't have to go to your website or leave their website. Okay. Built in one click checkout. Like I said, they have live uh, shopping. So you can do an Instagram live of a product launch or whatever, be demonstrating the product and literally right there at the bottom, it'll say buy now and people can click. They don't leave the live, they don't do anything, they just buy right there. So how does that work as far as uh, uh, tracking sales and ownership of the customer data and all right, that so stuff? Right, so there's a few questions. So I've, uh, it's not, so one thing to clarify, because I th in my email I said it was free, and it is free as far as there's no fees or anything, like a monthly fee, like Shopify has their monthly fee. Right. But they do take 5%. Facebook does yes for the transaction yes so part of that is transaction fees but obviously part of that is is there they take it for, okay so who pays at five percent the the merchant yeah so in the or, same, is the, or is the transaction fee like equivalent to the credit card fee well it's five percent so obviously some of that is the transaction fee based okay. on you know I, I don't know I assume they probably partner with Stripe or someone um, the processing fees, but obviously 5% is more than the processing fees. So that's their mm -hmm. cut. Now, 5% is much lower than like Amazon who takes 15 uh, or other platforms, but they do take 5%, but so there's no it, other it fees. It comes to about an extra 2%, because normally the transaction fees for credit cards are, are between two and a half and 3%. Yeah, like so, Shopify, depending on on, on your program you and your volume and all that. So if it's Facebook is taking 5%, they're adding another 2% on top of but their main goal is just make more money with ads. So they're not trying to charge 10, 15% like other, like Amazon or other platforms would. Um, the, the biggest question that I have is how much, oh, and also to finish up, basically, um, there's a few other cool features. It has AR built in. So if you have anything that uh, uses AR, mm -hmm. just like they launched AR ads recently, yeah. a few months ago, they have AR built in. So you can uh, basically have people try on clothes, glasses, makeup, put a piece of furniture in a room, whatever you want. Um, and then it also, one thing that I thought kind of went under the radar a little bit was they have uh, personalized, basically they use AI to personalize the shopping experience for the customer. This is something that a lot of stores have been testing out, but the technology needed to do that is pretty advanced. Like I know uh, Clearbit does this mm -hmm. um, and other platforms where they basically will customize the website based on data they have on the person sure. so they yeah. see different things their user experiences right and yeah. so facebook said that okay well we have tons of data on our customers so mm -hmm. if someone goes to your store and you sell all types of things we're going to show them the items that we think they're most likely to buy uh so let me ask you let me get back to my original question i just i just don't know if i'm a shopper that i'm or a buyer that i'm usually going to the brand.com store and buy my products. And then I see now that I have the option to also buy through Facebook and it's my storefront is the same thing. All the branding is the same. Um, when I check out through Facebook and all this uh, checkout that happens at Facebook, not at my store, do I have access as a store owner to, to, the, to the customer data? Right, so, okay, so I wanted to finish. Uh, that's the question that I said in my email, actually, if you scroll down like two lines, we don't know. Uh, I don't know yet. Basically, I said the biggest unanswered question that we will find out soon is who owns the customer data and how granular. So obviously, is Facebook going to take the Amazon? I don't think they will. But the Amazon approach is like, we give you nothing. Basically, right, you right. don't get anything. We own everything. You get, if we have to, we'll give you the address to ship to them. But you don't get email addresses. You don't get any purchasing data. Right, nothing. exactly. Uh, you don't get any lifetime value data on the customer, anything like that. 
Now, how much will Facebook give? I don't know. Um, they'll definitely give more data than Amazon, I think. But I also think that there's probably privacy concerns that obviously they've had to face a lot. So I don't know how much they're going to give. But uh, well, I mean, there's different levels, obviously. Uh, the basic level is like, okay, give me the customer emails and things like that. The more granular data that you get, like when you have Shopify, is like, okay, what's the purchasing history of this customer, the lifetime yeah, value of that. this I customer, mean, you see, all you types of things like yeah, that. Yeah, and you see where they came from, if it was the first visit, the second visit, right. they came from Google, right. they came from social so, media. So, I don't know yet. Uh, they didn't make that clear. Uh, and I think that is gonna be the biggest thing that makes or breaks this. Because if they are open with the data, and they share that data generously, then I think that there's a very strong incentive. Like I, I take it from like, okay, if, cause we're gonna have to start advising our clients on this cause this is a new thing. Right, or if right. we have our own brands, it's like, okay, do I use this? Well, if they give all the data, basically if they give all the data, uh, I own most of the experience, I own the customer still, but I give them 5% and they don't go to my website, maybe that's a good trade-off, right? Because my conversion rates are probably gonna be much higher. Uh, it's gonna be easier to acquire customers through this. Okay, maybe that's a good trade-off. But if they don't give me much customer data, maybe they give me the email, but they don't give like anything else, well, well, then it's like, mm, I don't know if I wanna do that. Well, it's the, it's the control that we always discuss. I mean, if, if, if Facebook is looking to become a kind of a diluted version of Amazon where they say, okay, we're going to give you this marketplace. You're going to become a seller. You still fulfill your own sales and everything else. It's like a fulfilled by the seller, but instead of on Amazon, it's on Facebook. And Facebook keeps all the customer data, keeps all the transaction, keeps everything, and they just tell you, hey, this person bought this, just ship it to them. That's right. not if they, a good... If they go that route, then... And on top of that, Facebook Facebook is, makes money with the, all the advertising too. Right. So, so, so there's another question though. I, I think if I were to guess, if I were to look like years down the road, I think that Facebook will charge more for ads if you send them to your website rather than sending them to, sto to the storefront. Just in the same way that if you run an ad right now and you link somewhere else versus if it's like an engagement ad or something like that where you're not linking somewhere else, they charge you a lot more for that. Basically because the person's leaving Facebook or leaving Instagram. I think that they're gonna have different ad rates for it's basically lower CPMs if you advertise to a storefront where it's contained in their ecosystem mm -hmm. versus if you send them to your website externally. That's what I think is gonna happen. Um, we don't know, it's speculation, but that's so, what I think is gonna so happen. So the, the customers that are currently using Facebook catalogs on Instagram and tagging products, will those be able to continue with that or that will yeah, be yeah, yeah. There's nothing out? that's changing. You can still advertise to your Shopify site. There's nothing changing on that. No, 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 I'm not talking about advertising. I'm talking about just the, the Facebook shop that you have now, which is basically throwing your catalog into Facebook, synchronizing with Shopify or Instagram, and then you still get complete the transaction on your own website. Um, will that just be phased out? I don't know. I okay. don't know. Yeah, those are questions because I mean, in in on principle, it sounds like a great deal for the merchants to be able to. Oh my God, we're gonna have all well, these Facebook channels. I, I didn't want to say it was a great <clears> deal. <throat> I, I'm, the the good thing is the thing that I'm happy about is that Amazon needs competitors as far as major oh yeah, as far as Amazon go. is definitely. And so I think that this has a real chance at being a real, real, real competitor. And like I said, I literally said, I said. Basically, the customer data part, 
how much data they give to the merchants, I said, will make or break this the success in my opinion because if they're open with the data if they basically build an open version of amazon and they say we don't care about hoarding all the customer data we don't care about uh taking a huge amount of fees we just want to make money through ads and right. basically That'll build a be better shopping experience then i think that they will win and i think that they i even wrote i said that if they do that, if they make it an open, a really open, like they kind of are claiming it is, because mm -hmm. another thing is it's an open ecosystem for apps. So just like Shopify, right. anybody can build apps for Facebook. No mm -hmm. one can build apps for Amazon. There's right. no apps for Amazon stores, but anyone can build apps for Facebook, for anything, reviews, loyalty programs, uh, 3PLs, all types of stuff like that. So that's cool. Um, so if they keep it open, then I think that they can beat Amazon. Because the thing that hurts Amazon the most is that it's so closed. And they do that obviously because they can, because they're so big and so dominant. They're too big, right. Right, but if they have major competitors and then now Google is launching their own thing too, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you have three major competitors, they're gonna have to fight for merchants. Well, for one, it's going to take, um, obviously some merchants from, a, a lot of people are leaving Amazon, specifically the bigger ones, right. the bigger brands. And I don't Not know just bigger those. brands, lots of smaller brands. Well, smaller saying, brands too. We don't need, because uh, you have to keep in mind, if you're competing on Amazon on like, a product that is heavily searched for, and you're just trying to rank highly and get sales for that, that's one thing. But a lot of brands that spend a ton of money on their own brand, on their own brand, right? and then people just go to Amazon and search for them, mm -hmm. and then Amazon gets 15% for sure. nothing. Yeah, it's like it's like a branded campaign. Right. I mean, it's just- Why do I need Amazon then? Right, right. Um, so no, definitely this will take um, sellers from Amazon, but also advertising budget from Amazon in the future because people will just say, okay, well, like you said, if, if my CPM is going to be lower because I have everything in the same place, I'm going to advertise on Facebook or Instagram, WhatsApp and so forth. So that makes complete sense. It'll be interesting to see how this develops for, for like you said, the, the questions that we have as far as, as far as who owns the customer data, because to me at the end of the day, that's the critical part. Of course. Of you course. know, and and uh, if I'm giving up um, the five percent, you know, which is really two two and a half, depending on the credit card fees, uh, but then more importantly, giving up my customer data and all the systems that I built within my store, whether it's Shopify or any other brand, as far as follow up, sales flows, and all that stuff, and now that all that goes to Amazon to uh, Facebook, and I don't really know what's going on with those customers. You know, because when you lose control, Facebook may say tomorrow, okay, we're going to start our own Amazon thing. And then uh, completely, you know, we're going to start selling things. And then um, they, they catch you off. And then you basically lose control of all those right. sales. Obviously, the biggest danger with all of these at the end of the day is you still, even if they give the customer data, they still own the relationship in a sense right and they can cut you off right and we've seen so many times i exactly. mean facebook uh as an advertiser it's like a lot of times they'll just shut down your ads shut down an ad account for no random reason and mm -hmm. a lot of times it's just a mistake and they'll right. say oh sorry it's, and then yeah it's just a algorithm then yeah if your store is down for three days because of a facebook mistake that sucks you know you lose and they basically they're not going to pay you back. Well, they've done that. And at this point, you, you kind of play that game knowing that right. the risk of that you course. have. You're, you're, you know. you, yes, you have to know the risk when you play sure. the game. But right. like I said, I think the customer data is going to make or break this. And we'll mm -hmm. see. This is going to advance more. As far as 
what they've built. I also want to see what major brands are going to start using. That this. was the key part. I was asking. I, I don't know of any major brands. What major DTC brands that are already having a good customer base owning their like audience? Like for example, maybe Nike, who <clears> left <throat> Amazon, will say, "You know what? If you guys give us all the customer data, then we will use this." That would be huge. That yeah. would be huge because that's an example of a major brand that was on Amazon that left for a variety or even, of reasons. Or even brands that are big on Amazon like Procter & Gamble and all these other brands, they have a big presence. Not just not just um, Amazon, but also uh, Google, YouTube, all that stuff. I mean, they have huge advertising platforms there. And maybe they start shifting advertising dollars to Facebook slash Instagram. You I, know? My, my biggest question is, will we see brands that remain exclusive use this? Because if, if they give all the customer data and they give, basically they take 5%, but other than that, it's the same as if you sold on your own Shopify site or mm -hmm. whatever platform you use. I think we will see ex brands that are exclusive and don't sell anywhere start selling on here. I mm -hmm. do think we'll see that, um, which would be interesting. That would be a big win because then you beat Amazon by def default because right. you have brands that they don't. Basically. Right, right. All right, so let's um, move on to other Shopify news. Obviously, they, they announced, um, I think that was a few days or weeks ago, the Shopify email, which is <clears throat> competing a little bit with the uh, all the third-party apps that they have now, like the Clavius and all that stuff, or they have the email where you can create your own custom flows and everything else. That was a while ago. That was a few That was a while ago, ago, but it's part of the Reunite. Uh, they, they announced it. But it wasn't like fully developed as far as all the features, and so now they're starting to launch all the features. Um, so that's something that has been, um, like you said, it's been there for a few weeks now, but it's more developed now as far as being able to develop. Yeah, your it's campaigns. still not very advanced. It's fine if you're just getting started and you need some email system. Well, but it's it, not as advanced as third-party apps like like Clevio is one of the yeah. major ones that people use, uh, including ourselves. But um, it promises to be just as good uh, as far as integration we'll obviously see. maybe we'll so see. um and we'll put a link so you can you can all determine whether those are that's a useful option but um i don't think clevio is expensive to be honest so i'm not sure if uh if it's even worth it to transfer everything to a shopify email in the future in your study maybe you consider it but you already have like, the whole clevio uh platform set up i don't know if it's worth it um then we have the uh you mentioned the bank so they have well the first they announced the <clears throat> the there's two parts there's the uh financing for customers right so uh, lots of people use afterpay or uh, klarna it's in europe or uh a firm. a firm yeah um i think it's shopify pay installments is the official yeah so with shop pay now it's built in that they have basically uh in paying installments mm -hmm. versus using a firm or afterpay which that's tough for those companies. I mean, now it's just built into Shopify. A lot of people use a third party app for that, but now if it's just built in, mm -hmm. you don't need a firm anymore. You don't need Afterpay if Shopify just handles that for you. I don't know what's gonna happen with those companies. Obviously, there's more platforms than just Shopify, but if they just lose all their Shopify merchants now, yeah, that's gonna be pretty Obviously, rough. I mean, my, <clears throat> my first thought with that was that just, that applies to people that have like bigger ticket items, that's, you know? That's the thing. I. I it, it, initially, the old school, like even in retail, it's like, yeah, obviously, if you go buy furniture or a TV or something like that, that's more expensive. Obviously, a lot of people want to pay in payments. But now, it doesn't make a difference really for these companies um, to if it's an installments for a $500 product or a $40 product. And even if it sounds kind of crazy, like, oh, you're going to get four months of payments on yeah. a $40 product. But a lot of people do it. 
and uh, I've seen data that shows even on low ticket items, 30, 40, $50 products, <clears throat> when they offer like afterpay and people can pay in installments, right. and sometimes they have, they have a boost in conversion rate. And it's like, they it's do, just an do. option to throw in there. And like, sometimes they have these first six months free financing stuff. And then, you know, you don't pay the, the charge of the whole thing at once. But uh, yeah, it's another option. It's just another hook to make you yeah, actually it's just another make that feature, decision. But it's yeah. a feature that used to be an app that's now built in. Uh, so we'll see what happens with all those companies. And then the famous uh, balance debit card that they have too. Yeah. So now that works with your um, merchant profits or or is it just like a debit card? I, th I thought I read somewhere that that debit card is actually, you cannot add money to it, that it works with your uh, the proceeds from your sales. Is that is that something that you are? Uh, I don't know. Is that true? Um, that's what I read originally, that <clears throat> you cannot just add money to your debit card to have more debit or more credit. I'm not sure. I just know they launched a checking account and basically they said you get you get a card, has cash back, your typical stuff when you right. see. But basically it's a business checking account uh, by Shopify and they said we're going to give a suite of tools that most small businesses don't have access to. And they blah, said blah, no blah. minimum fees, no minimum balances and all that stuff and no fees or nothing. But uh, yeah, I think I read something that uh, you cannot add money to it but you, you feed it with money from your from your sales okay. and basically you have a balance based on your sales and you can just keep it there for other expenses might be useful so yeah so um anything else that um from the um yeah there were smaller things um one cool thing was they now offer local delivery oh that's right yeah um basically they built a they built in a, a, a technology so that people can do local delivery so if you have you know uh, customers basically you can go into your shipping settings and if you want to offer local delivery if you say you can set it for like a 15 mile radius of your zip code or something like that and then if people deliver people who check out within 15 miles of your zip code obviously it depends where you live if you live in like new york where you're have a lot of people mm. it's very dense you know right. you could have a lot of customers in that area and then what it'll do is if you have, let's say, like five orders that day in, in your local area, then it'll set a route automatically, the most efficient route on oh. the map. And then someone can go and you can have your delivery but, driver go and give it to all those people. So you deliver, the company delivers as a driver yeah. that does the route to deliver. Yeah. Okay. It's almost like an Uber right, routing. Right. If you've ever seen the Uber drivers app for delivering products mm -hmm. it's pretty cool actually so but it's not it's not based on a third-party delivery system like no. you're talking to Uber no it's, it's, it's the company basically has their own it's delivery yeah so it's good because now they have local pickup which they added yeah, a while and ago pickup, yeah. uh, and you can just set up locations where your physical stores are or places where you can pick up the order right obviously they they're pushing these, these features forward that maybe would have come out later to right now because everybody mm -hmm. is d getting things delivered or doing curbside pickup because of the coronavirus. And so that's why they push things, things right. forward. Obviously that doesn't apply to most e-com companies because most e-com companies don't sell their local people unless it's by chance basically. Right. Um, but it depends on your business. It's just another cool feature that they added right. basically. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, also important so far, all of these features, as far as we know for now, they're only available in the U.S. or will be soon in the U.S. And then that the goal one, is to the expand. The delivery and pickup, I believe, is U.S. and Canada. Okay, yeah, U.S. and Canada, but North America for the most part. And then in, in other countries, like European countries, uh, they may or may not implement it right away. I mean, all the news releases and press releases say that will be soon anywhere or everywhere. 
obviously we don't know when that will happen so obviously we we have a few customers that are in uh, european you countries know, which get very excited tough, and then <laughs> global is tough it's just yeah it's, you know it, you have a lot who's of tried selling internationally it's like Every country has their own rules, their own tariffs, their own import taxes, and, and their own and their own um, yeah delivery rules as it's far as like, shipping and all that. So it's rates. complicated, man. It it's is tough. the logistics it's, part is very complicated. It's tough. So that's why you know, it's ideally yeah. Oh, I'll sell anywhere in the world. Even even um, even payment methods. I mean, I get questions all the time from people in Europe saying, "Hey, we use like here PayPal is very common, but they, they, even each country has their own thing, like Bizum and some other places where you connect with your bank account and it's like a Apple Pay." Oh, I know. I mean. They have all types of payment methods, and it says, well, when is Shopify going to do that? Because my customers always use that, and it's like transferring money locally and all that. Like, I understand, like, when you're trying to sell in South America or in Southeast Asia, that all these countries have different rules and stuff. But you'd think that in Europe, at least within EU countries, mm -hmm. they'd have some type of unification, but they really don't. Selling no. in the UK, well, I know UK is different now, but selling in Germany versus France versus Spain versus, it's like... It's a whole messy process. Well, you have to apply. Uh, you have to apply for the uh, the VAT or the value added tax number, which right. is there. But then even each country consumption has their tax own rules. import laws, right. and rules, and you have to fill this paperwork. It's just yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's a lot of paperwork. Global commerce. <clears throat> I think uh, when you talk about areas that still are ripe for innovation, I think global commerce is is a huge one. There's so much more that needs to be done on global commerce yeah and i don't think it's gonna get any better now especially with all this yeah i um, don't think so either with all this um crisis and stuff so all right so um are the we other ready? final note that they did was on the shopify fulfillment network which they actually announced last year at shopify right. unite um it was invite only beta uh, and now it's open to everyone. So anybody, any Shopify merchant can now use the Shopify fulfillment network. So, so refresh my memory on that. How, how does that work? The fulfillment obviously is the app. Uh, it's very the, uh, similar to Amazon FBA, if anyone's ever used that. Right. But basically, or any other 3 But do they, where are their warehouses? Where are their... They have a map. Um, but they partner with other, they have some warehouses that, they're own, that are their own, and they have some that they partner with 3PLs. Um, and basically, okay. if you ever use the 3PL or Amazon FBA, you ship all your stuff there, right, they right. charge you. Oh, are, are their fees similar to uh, Amazon or are they going to be cheaper? Um, it depends. I've seen different fee tables. Some cases, it's it can be cheaper. In other cases, it can be much more expensive. Mm. If you have a product, so where it seems to be much cheaper um, is if you have a product that people buy a lot multiple of instead of just buying one-offs right uh it's much cheaper because amazon fba for example charges per unit so if someone orders five right. and you have a four dollar per unit fee they'll charge you 20 bucks mm -hmm. shopify does per order and so if someone orders five units then you still only pay that five dollar fee or whatever they charge you mm. um so if you have a product that you sell multiple people normally by multiple, it's Shopify is actually very affordable. Okay. But if it's one-offs, it doesn't seem to be that much. All right, so that's a lot of things for Shopify just this week, actually. So um, we'll definitely add a link on our in our show notes to uh, all these features where you can read more if you're interested. Um, this email, actually, uh, you're not subscribed to it. It's very informative. It's, uh, uh, what is the subscription link? mgredge.com slash join. Yeah, that comes once a week on Tuesdays usually, and uh, it's very short. I mean, you can see the whole email here. It's usually one or two stories, um, specifically on e-commerce, obviously, and then a few uh, other important news, and uh, that's all you get. So it's 
it's really uh, a, a quick read if, uh, if you want to be in the know of what's happening and you don't have to browse through 20 different websites to find the news. We do that for you. I spend many hours a week I know. reading e-com news and other people's thoughts. And right, I compile it in a five-minute read. Yeah, definitely. Not even five minutes. Three we, minutes. we curate. I, I say, you know, we don't invent anything. All we do there is maybe we put a couple lines. Of I normally opinion, but, uh, do my own write-up, and then I have links at the bottom. Right, That's right. So it's this. definitely a very. I mean, I actually, uh, I'm, I deal with other divisions of MGR as the agency, and David is all e-commerce, and I actually read it myself. Because as you can see, he's doing most of the talking today. And when it comes to e-commerce and new trends, um, I'm, I'm usually catching up more than being on the, on the forefront like he is. So, which leads me to the next topic. Um, you want to talk about the $100 million man? <laughs> yeah. Spotify, the other uh, Fi company. I'm sure everybody's heard about this by now. It's, that's, that's actually bigger news than you know, anything I've heard in, the, in a long time. To back up for two seconds, we're talking about Joe Rogan. He signed an exclusive deal with Spotify. Terms are not announced. Multi-year. They didn't say exactly. I've heard it's four. I've heard it's five. Nobody really knows 100%. I heard um, five too, yeah. I heard. So first it was nobody knew the numbers. And then Wall Street Journal reported it's 100 million a year. People were guessing anywhere between 50 and 75. I guess. Based on the well, the estimate is the current revenue that he yeah. gets. From well, the if you remember on this podcast a few months ago, I guessed that he was making fifty million a year. Right. And right. so, if he was making fifty million a year to be exclusive to Spotify, it kind of makes sense. Maybe they basically said, "Okay, we'll double it, and then you're exclusive." I heard a number today that someone said it might even be one hundred twenty-five million a year. So who knows? Yeah. The point is, they threw the bag at him well but this is and this he is, is rolling in but money let's now. let's remember that spotify just also bought out completely or basically acquired the ringer which is pretty they, much spotify's doing a lot to recap so, real quick so the ringer was know, 250 as far 200 as, i think okay 200 or 250 i heard both figures too. i'm not sure so uh, bought, which is basically backtrack they bought Gimlet Media, which is a, another podcast network and specifically a podcast production company. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of very high, high quality, high production value podcasts. So they don't do a lot of like this, like where we give no effort. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, basically, two what, dudes what in a mean? microphone yeah. or Joe Rogan, same thing. Two dudes in a microphone. Uh, they do like editing, very high production, almost more, like more it's an audio like series it's almost like a formerly type or radio show with fully elaborated and like they do like a true crime series that is like right doc it's almost like a documentary but mm -hmm. you listen to it right. so that type of thing uh they have a few big podcasts the biggest i think is called reply all it's a tech podcast mm -hmm. and they have some crime podcasts but they they bought it for the network and for they have a production studio and everything so they basically bought that uh that was last year that was I think it was 200 something million as well. I don't quote me on that. It was in the hundreds of millions. I don't remember the exact number. Um, they bought Anchor, which was the podcasting creation app uh, yeah. that you can use your phone to make a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and then they bought The Ringer. That was back in January for 200, 250 million. So that obviously means they got Bill Simmons and the whole Ringer podcast whole, network. Yeah, network. Yeah. Which um, is like probably 25, 30 different podcasts. Yeah. And um, so they did that. And now they they also kind of, this one went kind of under the radar. They signed an exclusivity deal with uh, the Obamas production company. So it looks like both Michelle and Barack Obama are going to have an exclusive podcast on 
uh, Spotify as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know much details about that. No idea about numbers or anything, but that happened too. And now obviously the biggest of them all was they have this huge deal with Rogan. Which is the interesting thing is that... So they've been doing a lot basically. But when you go, it's funny because Joe Rogan was not on Spotify at all. He, no, he, he I mean, you can, wasn't. when you, uh, when you listen to a podcast, you can obviously it's a feed, it's an RSS feed, and then you can decide which platform you prefer. So some people use Apple uh, podcast, which is not a good one. And then you have overcast, you have different ones. Well, Apple podcast is by far the biggest, but kind of by default, right? Not because, because it's a great platform, not, but, but Apple really neglected the podcast feature. It's just basically and a feed do. and you get it. And they still do, which is basically amazing. Um, but they, you know, that comes back to Steve Jobs when he said, okay, we provide Apple music and Apple podcast, which is weird because that name podcast came from the iPod. And anyways, that's a whole different story. But you you choose where to have your podcast, but because Spotify inserts ads for non-subscribers, well, when you're listening to music and all that, and many people that use Spotify but they don't subscribe to it, they have commercials. So Rogan had his own sponsors and advertisers, therefore he said, I don't want to be there and you guys insert other commercials that are not my sponsors. So he was not on the platform. So you wanted to listen to Joe Rogan, you had to go to Apple or any other sources and he was never there, which is, he's the largest podcaster as far he's, as I know. Uh, yeah, uh, it's either him, as far as individual podcasters, he's number one. Um, I think uh, New York Times, The Daily, maybe uh, yeah. up there. And uh, there's another one, This American and, Life. But basically, he's one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Yeah, yeah. and he has this... He's the biggest personality, for sure. The, for sure. And he has this known, long format podcast where it's basically sometimes two and a half three hour conversation uh, unplugged pretty much like we are here like no holds bar he has famous guests he has like uh, Elon Musk he's had uh, um, I mean a lot of different people that are so let me ask you one thing that a lot of people are worried about is potential censorship well Obviously, he has a lot of controversial guests <clears throat> on, and mm -hmm. that's kind of what really he makes had Alex him, Jones. He had yes, uh, he's had a lot of controversial he guests. Had, he had the uh, Bob Lazar aliens guy. Yeah, like, yeah, lots of people who. I mean, Rogan is very famous for like no censorship at all. He's not afraid to have any guest on. He'll have a conversation with anyone. Uh, right. I don't think. Do you think that will change? Well, I don't think so. I think not I think him. for him. No, I'm sure if he would not have done that deal. If he no, didn't. he said it. He said it. Nothing is changing. Right. Okay. Yeah, I know he's gonna. Well, say Well, I know, but I, I don't. I don't think he'll change the feature that made him who he is. Right. You know. So now the question I have is, I mean, that didn't change him either when he, when he was on YouTube or he was on. I mean, he is on YouTube with his podcast. Everything. Every one of them is also on YouTube. It used to be live, and then they decided not to do it live, and they do it. You know, they, they upload it, but it's a three-hour YouTube podcast, and you watch the video version many times, and then they have multiple clips and segments that are also part of the algorithm on YouTube and by when the you're way, searching he, for topics. he said that about half of his audience is YouTube, half listens. Right. So to answer your question, I don't think it's going to change anything. I mean, I knowing, knowing I Joe not. Rogan... I mean, I don't know. I don't person, think he would have signed the deal if no. he didn't have a hundred percent creative control. And he was very clear about that. Now, my only question is something that I've so also heard since it happened that, you know, like, 
when when you are on Spotify, then you're on this kind of platform. Because before he was on his own uh, studio and everything else, and he continued doing that. Now he belongs to a platform where he has an exclusivity contract, and that contract will be really exclusive starting at the end of the year or the next year, when uh, the video component and everything would be on Spotify. So when you oh, do yeah, that, oh yeah, to clarify that, a lot of people were confused. Spotify is launching video too. We actually discussed right. this previously. A lot of people were like, well, what does he mean the videos can be on Spotify? Yeah. Spotify, Spotify is launching video too. Their own streaming video format yes. option for podcasts that are so far. I mean, they had little snippets for the uh, for the music. Right. Uh, no, music. but it'll be like basically the video you see on YouTube of Rogan right. will be on Spotify. And I, I believe the contract for Spotify with Joe Rogan means that the whole podcast would be only on Spotify, but the little clips, yeah, the clips will, will still continue be to be on YouTube. So yeah. if you are listening to a long-format podcast that like he does with two-and-a-half or three-hour interview with somebody, usually he has like, I right. don't know, six to eight clips with sections of the, of the podcast. Those will continue to be on YouTube. Um, the whole length of the podcast would be only on Spotify, so you wouldn't be able to find it. But the censorship thing, I think, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I think many many some companies like I don't know if uh, they haven't done it so far as far as I know uh, that some companies will say hey we don't want to be on YouTube because right but Spotify makes money with advertisers and what if advertisers right. say hey we don't want to put our ad on a podcast with Alex Jones right and which many would do okay, right but doesn't Spotify say hey don't have Alex Jones on no they will say okay we'll put your pod- your ads anywhere else but not with the Joe Rogan podcast because I mean. Joe Rogan still has his own advertisers, which is basically how right. How but he's now been. those are all Spotify. Spotify well, now basically yeah. We don't know exactly the details of the transaction, how they they divvy up or how the advertising money from the Joe Rogan show will go. Maybe I'm uh, gonna assume they own. I'm all assuming them. they're all there, obviously. But um, uh, Spotify will say, "Hey, now we have this huge podcast that is downloaded billions of times by everybody worldwide, basically." And uh, if you don't want to be part of the advertising because the guest is controversial, fine, we'll leave you out. I think that will be... Right, but the Spotify business side is going to say, hey, we can't sell ads on a show that's controversial like this, so don't have those controversial guests on. Yeah, but why didn't it happen on um, the same advertisers on YouTube? or Because Joe has his own relationships with those advertisers, but there's a lot of advertisers who don't advertise on Joe Rogan's platform, on podcast. No, I understand that. So but if, uh, about if, what, if when you're, when if the you're advertising, Spotify, because Spotify, keep in mind, they're trying to make big brand partnerships. Sure. So if they make a partnership with Coca-Cola and they say, okay, you're going to be on all of these different podcasts and blah, 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 blah. And then he ends up with, they end up with a Coca-Cola ad on some super controversial podcast. Are they going to be upset about that? I'm sure they would. Well, but these brands are very particular. No, about they are. They are, of course. Out. But what you have to think about what Spotify is looking, I mean, first of all, Spotify wants to become the biggest audio platform. They, they want to become the audio version of YouTube, and now they're even, as we said, taking over YouTube's or getting into YouTube's territory with videos as well. So what they're trying to do is get people that were not subscribed and getting your Joe Rogan for free anywhere else. Now they're going to have to maybe say, okay, now I'm going to subscribe because I want to have Joe Rogan uninterrupted, you know, with no breaks or whatever. So they will get many more subscribers or listeners or anything which allows Spotify to upsell and, and you know sell much more advertising. 
Will it be controversy down the road? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm surprised they did it this way. I would say probably that, I mean, another format that people were thinking of is saying, okay, we'll give you the first half an hour of the interview free, and then you want to listen to it now? Okay, now you need to subscribe. You know, things like that. But No, because the one of the parts that Rogan said, it's still free for everyone. Right, right. So... I mean, obviously, it's not a call to decide, you know, whether the terms is good or not. I mean, the the bottom line is that he is the biggest podcaster right now as far as personality, and uh, he's not going to be um, exclusivity or exclusively on Spotify. And I don't think it's going to change his podcast. I mean, it's a four or five year contract, which is a long contract too. And then I don't think he's going to change. Uh, he has a lot of podcasts too. I mean, he does like... Yeah, re- they own the whole archive too. That was part of the deal. Right, the whole library. Correct. So, which is good because like I said, he was not on Spotify before. So now they're going to go back to what, like 17, 1800? I don't know how many he has. He's been around for like 10 years or so. Yeah. I think he's on almost 2000 episodes by now. Um, I don't know how many. I know it's over a thousand. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know that I see the little um, uh, thumbnails on YouTube when yeah. it's like seventeen no, I mean, or something. No, for over ten years. He, uh, yeah, he, he he does easily two three per week, and and of course he has over gigs going on with the UFC and and his own um, stand up comedy um, um, comedy stores and things like that. So uh, that's a, that's a big deal. So, but on the Spotify on the business side, um, they are like just acquiring and acquiring and acquiring and this is for a company that actually is not really cash flow positive yet as far as subscribers yeah but they have a ton of funding yeah but again it's no growth at all costs like we were discussing before so at yeah some but point, in their case I mean, they, they, they need to because they lose money with the music right they basically but the difference <clears throat> is that that spotify has a ton of revenue and so they can they have a ton of paying users i mean they they have 120 i think it was 124 million was their most reported recently reported number of paying users and so they have a huge customer base they just need to monetize them better and the right. music they just have to pay so much in royalties that it's not profitable for them like i looked at their numbers last year they did 6.7 billion of revenue but they had to pay out like 5 billion to music companies basically right. but that's the thing I mean, do you think shopify i mean spotify is, is moving forward to um <clears throat> towards more the podcast and and user generated content i think that the music no they're part. still gonna have music music is like the anchor that's what <clears throat> brings people to the app that's why they have so many users but it's it's like the famous Big Mac analogy that we've used on this podcast so many times. Yeah. You bring people in with the dollar burger, and then you make money with the fries, the shake, the soda, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what Spotify is doing. Spotify has all these users for the music, but now they want to make money with the podcast because the podcast is much more I'm, profitable. I'll be curious to see the amount of um, listeners after a while, after this is over, um, but you, How much will be, it be the split between music listeners versus podcast listeners? And I think now with a Joe Rogan, uh, not not so far right away because the the, the well, contract is in stages. But yeah, I don't know about I don't know the answer six to months that. from now if just Joe Rogan alone is going to get and the Ringer and all that stuff they're going to get. Well, the Ringer well, is no exclusive. So yeah, that's the interesting thing about the Ringer is they're not exclusive. I wonder if they will make them eventually. Um, yeah, that's interesting. But they actually just acquired them, but they didn't say you're gonna. I, I still listen to many podcasts. podcasts that are exclusive, right. like the big ones, like Bill Simmons' podcast. He's right. not exclusive. Mm-hmm. We'll see if they make it exclusive or not. Um, 
they also want to do more video for the ringer too because the ringer does a lot of video yes they do and they said that once their video platform is launched that they're going to start doing video for the ringer too so we'll see um uh, you know spotify i think as of the most recent numbers they are about 15 percent of all podcasts their market share basically is mm -hmm. about 15 percent this will definitely give them a boost it you have to make these you have to make smart acquisitions because joe rogan has the poll to bring a huge amount of audience to Spotify. This is a lot of other, a lot of other people don't have that poll. Um, and so that's why I think they're being very strategic. I think the ringer has a poll. I think Bill Simmons himself has a lot of poll. Like people who listen to Bill Simmons podcast are going to listen to him, even if he's only on Spotify. Yeah. And the same is true for Rogan. Um, so yeah, though, Finding those creators with Paul is the big question, you know, and I think this is going to hurt YouTube a lot, too, because he was the number it one. Will. Yeah, definitely. He was yeah. the number one uh, podcast on YouTube. And, uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, I was like, you know, if someone built a video platform and they went to like the top YouTubers, the top four, five YouTubers, and they went to uh, PewDiePie and David Dobrik and uh, Shane Doss, I don't know, basically a few of the biggest YouTubers. And they basically gave him a bunch of money and gave him equity and said, we're going to launch a YouTube competitor. And all those guys moved and became exclusive mm -hmm. to, to whatever David tube. <laughs> yeah. I think that that platform would have a real, real chance, right, right. a real, real chance at taking on YouTube because YouTube is very much almost like an Amazon yeah. where they're just they have such a monopoly that they get away with so many issues that they have yeah from censorship copyright issues isn't even like it's unbelievable but there's how many platforms that are like vimeos and all the stuff yeah but those guys <clears throat> no it, it would have to be a platform that basically is identical to youtube in terms of user generated videos and mm -hmm. has a lot of the same bells and whistles yeah. and then they just basically got a bunch of the top youtubers who have real pull because if you pull uh, David Dobrik off of YouTube and put him on another platform, his fans will follow. Well, why don't those guys just create their own platform well, themselves? Because it's been done before. Not The problem is it's been tried if, before. If you become so big that you can basically develop your own brand or personality, then why don't you just... I mean, obviously, streaming is very expensive, and that's why one of the things that you start well, having your own yeah, streaming video thing. server, they, that's very pricey. They... they, they First of all, you need to get a bunch of YouTubers together to agree to do it. One person isn't going to make the difference. You need to have like multiple heavy hitters. Um, and then you also would need tons of funding. You need a company and operators because these guys are YouTubers. They're not going to run the company. They don't know how to right. run a tech company. Right. So they need operators who are going to. So it's not that easy. Right. But I think I think there's there's a real chance that someone could do it. Mm -hmm. I think that there's never been a, a better chance than right now. Uh, because you've seen the success of Spotify doing it in podcasts. Yeah. I think someone could do it in video. It, well, but, but, I mean, I've been using Spotify, I don't know, for a long, long time. And I started with music like everybody else. And now now I realize that I'm using Spotify more for podcasting. So that's the thing. I don't listen to any podcasts on Spotify. You don't? What, what platform do you use? Apple Podcasts or uh, I use Overcast. Okay. I, um, I use Apple mostly. And then... When I use Spotify, well, you know, the thing for me is but that you I know like what I Joe like. Rogan, so now I'll tell you I one thing. You know, you know why Spotify. I started switching to Spotify for the podcast too, because with the Spotify app on my iPhone, I can also listen through 
um, Alexa or other speakers when I'm driving, when I'm anywhere in the house or whatever, you know. Well, Apple will not connect. Mm. So that's one of the handicaps for me. When I want to listen to a podcast and I just basically say I want to listen with all my AirPods or I'm just doing something and I just on a speaker or something, then with the Spotify app, I can connect it and then I'm listening to it while I'm working on my car, you know, on, on a speaker or driving or whatever. And uh, with I cannot do that with the Apple Podcast. That's what made me kind of duplicate all my podcast feed on Spotify and start listening to them there. So that's one of the key things that I... But uh, that's what I'm saying, that before I used to listen to music a lot and now I kind of... Uh, I'm 50-50. I'm with, I mean, I'm a listener of Joe Rogan, most of his podcasts, not all of them, obviously, but I think that's going to bring a lot of streaming minutes uh, to Spotify. Oh, of course it will. It's going to be huge. Of course it will. From base, especially because he came from zero. It's not like he was there already and he was right. el- elsewhere and now he's going to be there only. No, right. it's the, he wasn't there at all. Right. And now you bring the billions of hours of podcasting He's going to bring... I mean, the second he becomes exclusive, right. he's going to bring... I, obviously, the question is how many people will go there. I think Joe Rogan fans are going to follow. Oh, I think, absolutely. I mean, so he's going to instantly bring, you know, two, three million minimum people yeah. to the platform, yeah. if not more. Yeah. So that's the value. You right. Know, that's the value. Um, but we'll see. Very interesting. All right. Um, another topic. Delivery. Food delivery. Yeah, you wanted to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, I wanted to talk What's about up? that because it's interesting. I mean, I, 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 you actually have been more active with the food delivery than I have been during this uh, pandemic time uh, of restaurants closed and everything else. And uh, and it's interesting how now the the food delivery companies or delivery companies that we had before, like it was um, Uber Eats and um, Postmates, which we know as well, then uh, Grubhub, which one is the other one? Um, DoorDash. Right. So so it's interesting. I had another graphic here of how they're now all of a sudden becoming like indispensable, like really crucial for, for all these restaurants that are trying to survive with the curbside pickups and all that stuff and try basically to keep their customers with their food while they're staying home. Sheltering place, you know, has brought all these restaurants to deliver home. And we discussed the restaurants to death in the last couple of episodes. So, But now it comes to the, what we call the last mile of food delivery, which is basically taking the food from the restaurant to the consumer. And um, so how do you think that thing is developing or, or which companies are going to make it um, without losing money with every delivery, you know, because at the end of the day, you have a delivery that costs money, whether it's three, four dollars or five dollars per per delivery, and somebody's paying for that. Either the consumer pays when they add that money or that fee to their food, or the restaurant says, "Hey, we offer free delivery," and they absorb the cost of delivering the food, or the company, the Grubhub's and the and the Uber Eats and all that stuff have a special deal where they undercharge so they cannot keep themselves busy so i think it's interesting how it's working and how it it varies from city to city which one is more relevant or more dominating in the market but um what's what's your take on all those um on all these companies well it's interesting because every company is in a different position whether it's uh uber eats doordash grubhub postmates you know grubhub of all of them is the only one that actually is profitable they're cash flow positive 
Uh, they're not busy burning cash. DoorDash, Postmates. And why? Why is that? Is that the rates are higher, or just that they have a more efficient operation, or a why? lot of various reasons? Because I, the, I would imagine the rates are very similar between them. They're right? very similar, but Grubhub has a different approach, and Grubhub doesn't basically grow at all costs. Grubhub obviously is growing, and they're trying to grow, but they're not the growth at all costs. We're going to burn all the cash. They also have better partnerships with restaurants too, and they're a public company, which helps. You know, when you're a public company you have to become profitable or you're going to go out very quickly. The other ones, I mean, Uber's public, but they don't even release numbers on Uber Eats. They release some very vague numbers, but they don't mm -hmm. release accurate numbers. And then obviously DoorDash and Postmates are not. Um, I mean, yeah, at some point, they're just going to have to raise prices. Like, you can't, if you're but DoorDash and you're losing, if, if you're DoorDash or Postmates or whoever, and you're charging four dollars a delivery and it's costing you five like yeah you're gonna have to raise prices eventually so so i'm not very familiar with with the rates that they charge but um what is the average rate if you if you order from a local restaurant that you used to go like within a two three four mile radius and now you say hey i'm gonna have the food delivered to me and one of these companies is bringing you the food what's the average charge for them it depends um anywhere from like three to like five six bucks normally okay so uh, that's number one and then the second question is right now uh, it obviously who's paying for those fees sometimes it's the customer in, in right it's the customer so you pay whatever you go to you know the DoorDash app and you buy something that's whatever 15 bucks and then you pay a five dollar fee on top of that to get it delivered so let's say I know you order from Chipotle, uh, you like and all that stuff. Well, Chipotle is different because they partner with DoorDash, but Chipotle offers very discounted rates. I don't know in that situation. I'm assuming it's Chipotle eating the costs because Chipotle was doing free delivery for a while. And right. That, to so, so that's the thing. Yeah. But that's different than if you just go to, to a regular restaurant. They don't eat those costs like that. But yeah, I mean, it's normally, you know, if you go to DoorDash and they charge. The, the thing is that even when they have their normal rates, like they give so many discounts and promotions constantly right. to buy stuff mm -hmm. that it's like you never actually are paying the real rates. Like I don't go a week without DoorDash or Postmates sending me something saying, hey, here's a $50 credit. Right. Here's a $100 credit, whatever. Yeah, it's Uber like, does the same thing. So it's like uh, I'm never really paying the real price, basically. Right. I actually, they actually build bad consumer habits because now that I know that right. I'm always going to get some discount, yeah. it's like I don't order delivery unless I have some credits Incentive. or discounts or Right, that's why they work. So so this graphic here, for those who actually are watching the video, um, it has all major cities, New York, LA, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, Washington, Miami, Phoenix, Boston, San Francisco, and so forth. And the split between the four major uh, food delivery uh, companies. And it's interesting because, like you see, for example, in New York, uh, Grubhub is huge. They, they well, that's because you have to understand Grubhub, I believe, started in New York. Right. DoorDash is the biggest in San Francisco. DoorDash right. started in San Francisco. Right. And then you have uh, Uber Eats is huge in Miami. They they dominate about sixty percent of the of the market there. And however, Grubhub in Miami is only seven percent. So it's not like you see a. I mean, when you look Do at the DoorDash graphic, is the biggest. DoorDash, obviously, you see majority orange, which is DoorDash, and then it looks like. The red is also, maybe it's because of the color, but it looks like the red is pretty big too, which is Uber Eats. Postmates looks pretty small, except in LA, where they have about 34% of the uh, food delivery business. 
they're pretty small in, in any other major city. Um, 5%, less than 5%, 6%. Phoenix, which is what you like, is uh, 17%. So, um, I don't know. What do you think about the... Uh, the fuck why do you need a signature for this I don't know you sign mm-hmm. what is that the, what's your name what's, what is it it's something I bought the other day but I don't understand oh the fuck oh, yeah, let's just finish this thing I'm just fucking tired of all these interruptions I know it's not your fault they just want to let's put it there as I've never seen a, on a fucking it's a pair of shorts a signature on a pair of shorts it's like boom 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 it's like fuck Peter. I know but I've never seen signature I didn't even know what I was doing. You were saying uh, Postmates uh, and comparing the cities, basically. Yeah. So do I need to continue or you continue? I can go back and say... Uh, I'll, I'll go. So then it sounds like okay. you can cut it and it'll, it'll sound like I jumped in. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, each one has different dominance in different markets but yeah at some point there's gonna have to be a consolidation because uh either a consolidation or they all just raise prices but i mean they, they well, but that was the point if, you, if you they raise prices lose. who's paying for those the consumer well the consumer they, the consumer will the stop consumer. ordering then uh, then the restaurant right. well, they're already dire straits as far no, as the I restaurant know. no <clears> it's going to be the consumer because right now the delivery companies are eating the cost because they have a ton of VC money. Fine, whatever. Um, the restaurants cannot. The restaurants often already are losing money on deliveries because these guys take fifteen percent, ten percent, depending on their arrangement with the companies of the of the total price. So the restaurants can't afford that either. So right. it's gonna have to be the consumer. Well, but you know, this the consumer is used to having free shipping, free everything. They order something, they pay for the goods, they pay for whatever. But they're used to the free shipping. It's not gonna and, happen. And free delivery of whatever. And now they're gonna have to pay for the food. And what's gonna happen is that they're gonna end up ordering the food from whichever restaurant or service provides the biggest deal. So if I need to order, I mean, I don't know how big is the food ticket, but if you're ordering something that is like. Twenty dollars, and then you have like seven or eight in delivery. That's a almost a fifty percent markup just right. to have it That's shipped. That's why I think that. So I think personally that the food delivery business is not just me. Lots of people think this. It's just a bad business. I know that's it's that a was bad the point of all this. It's bad, and then you have four major companies. I think the competing way that for, these companies, and I think Postmates is the one that's moving most on this. Uber is a bit too. Um, and DoorDash, they said, they've talked about it. I haven't seen them actively do much of it. But I think that these companies should use the food delivery as a customer acquisition and a uh, driver acquisition method and try to burn as little cash as possible while doing it and then make money basically doing last mile logistics right. for a lot of other things. Right. Because and I think- food has very low margins. But right. if they start doing last mile logistics for things with high margins, 
if they're delivering clothing, which they've started doing. They're delivering they're, drugs sometimes. They're delivering drugs. <clears throat> drug stores. They have much more margin. Then they can make money. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this needs to be a loss leader for them, but that they need to make money with all these other things. Because last mile logistics is very valuable. But everybody thinks of last mile logistics in terms of food. But there's so many other things it can right, be used right. for. And so many other things that are much more profitable than food. And that's where I think... I don't know. I think at some point, if I were to guess, I would say, uh, if I had to guess one of these disappears, probably Postmates. Well, based on the numbers, that's what it looks like. Because yeah. there was a rumor for a while that Postmates <clears throat> and DoorDash might merge. Right. And that doesn't look like it's going to happen because DoorDash basically says, why? I don't know. I mean, in the, in the case of the restaurants, if I own a restaurant that is pretty famous, have a normal customer base and now they're ordering more from from home as it looks like is the trend i would just have a guy a, a driver that is employed by the restaurant yeah that can do everything can afford it, well yeah i mean what i cannot afford is losing customers or absorbing the cost of shipping or delivering the food which is well, six to eight dollars the other thing too is there's other companies that are coming up too that have better solutions that are doing uh kind of uh distributed instead of centralized because yes. these are all centralized right there's other companies that are offering distributed mm -hmm. and i think that may be the real and one. then you have the packaged food deals that we discussed last time too where they you can buy food that is meals ready to eat type thing uh right. gourmet meals and then those come shipped and everything they offer free shipping and then you don't order from a restaurant you order them from other company that has uh those options i, I so. think the roadmap for for especially like doordash and postmates is to find other high margin businesses and use this as a loss leader mm -hmm. and basically at least get to break even. I mean, that's what they need to do right now. So they're not burning cash, at least mm -hmm. get to break even. Cause if they can do that and they use this as a loss leader, but then they make a ton of money being the last mile logistics company that mm -hmm. tons of businesses use, then that's valuable. Um, but we'll see. I mean, obviously these companies, listen, they, you know, yeah. they have plenty of smart people who work there. I'm sure they think about this every single day. Um, but yeah, at some point, you have to make money. It's mm -hmm. like everything. You can't lose money forever. Right. And they're huge. These well, companies are huge now. So this excuse of growing is no longer valid. Like DoorDash and Postmates, they're fucking huge now. It so, just gets to a point where where you almost don't want to grow at this with this structure. You know, like like you know, you're you're a you're a company normally. You get an order. It's like oh yeah, I get an order. Or something. You get excited. But if you are losing with every order. Right. It's like you're almost, uh, you're almost, uh, your incentive is not there. I don't know how there. many deliveries they do a day, but I would guess that DoorDash does tens of thousands a day. Yeah, especially like these big days. Enough, you know, you're big enough now where your growth at all costs is no longer the answer, especially when you have, look at the orange. You have a huge right. market share. Right. You need to start making money. Uh, this is this is all major cities with like, tons of restaurants there, that are trying there's to There's not that much more. I don't think that there's that much more growth to have. I don't think that food delivery in the next two years is going to double again. Okay, so they're reaching the saturation point of the market, and now they need to learn how to make money, and that's a big and, transition. And, and this, hopefully, when when sheltering places and all that phases of the confinement happen. Um, people will start going to restaurants, not massively flowing to restaurants, but they're going to start going back to, you know, stop deliver, uh, ordering food from home and then even going to restaurants, which means that those numbers will, will decrease as, as far as volume, maybe no percentages. So, all right, David, I think that's everything that we have today. Anything that you'd like to um, add um, on your own? Any other news that we missed? 
No, I think we're good for now. Uh, you know, if Spotify wants to uh, t talk to us, <laughs> exclusivity deal. We'll take about a tenth of the, uh, a, a, a hundredth of hey, the revenue from uh, Joe Rogan. I'm not cheap, okay? Okay. I'm not cheap. You're going to have to give me a very nice deal. Okay. Well, you know, the funny thing is to f put one last Well, you know note. what? It's, it's true that they actually do acquire also a smaller niche podcast. No, I know they So do. it's not just the, the big ones are the ones that make the news, but there's a lot of little acquisitions I that know. are there in between. So but, there's hope. But Johnny's little podcast is not getting a $100 million check. No, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, no, but you know what is true? That people look at these big numbers. The thing that Rogan has never done, and it's fine because he said that he's just not interested in that, is create his own brands. Right. If he created his own brands... That hundred million would look like fucking nothing. Joe Rogan could do easily a hundred million a year in revenue if he created his own brands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my I last. Think you spread already now. And that between. was one thing I actually didn't mention. I don't know with this agreement if Shopify owns all of the merchandising and brand part of it because if because if they do, yeah. then this is gonna be super lucrative because if I'm Spotify, I'm like, all right, we're making the Joe Rogan. It's not going to call it Joe Rogan brand, but I'm going to make brands around Joe Rogan and have them advertise on the podcast. Yeah, Trust we'll see. Me. Because it's a, it's a limited time deal. I mean, in four or five years. So uh, I'm not sure what happens to that after it's over or what happens. So anyways, that time will tell. Um, that's all we have for today. Uh, for everybody uh, listening, thank you for... Um, listened or watching and uh, you can catch this podcast on uh, mgrunplug.com or mgredge.com and then uh, follow the company at uh, mgragency.com those are our major uh, websites and outlets uh, for everybody else we'll be here back next week and uh, until then stay safe and have a great weekend bye everybody bye